Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of The Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambray, joined as always by my partner, my comrade, Nando Vila on the west side of Los Angeles. What's going on, brother? Feeling good, baby. Feeling good. Going to Miami tonight. Ooh, Excited about that. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> I love it. On today's show, we got a cool little show for you guys. First up, first and foremost, it's the big dog's birthday. Happy oh, yeah. birthday to one Bernard Sanders, the greatest living politician, probably the greatest politician of my entire lifetime. I can't think of a, oh, yeah, easily. Of, of a better politician in America anyway. Um, so we're going to wish him a happy birthday. Uh, just share some words about Bernie at the end of the show. Uh, but first, oh, and also... You guys will know, some of you guys um, listening probably know this personally, uh, unemployment, federal, the federal UI benefits have expired on Sunday. Uh, the Dems, Joe Biden, everybody was kind of just like, yeah. Um, and they're leaving people out in the cold, which is just, you know, it's just fucking awful. We'll get into some of that. But first, man, first up, Nando, Joe Manchin, he really think he got elected president um in november of 2020 this man really thinks he runs the runs america uh so just for people who aren't paying attention of course that bipartisan uh bill that that bipartisan whatever was basically a half measure the the progressive wing of the democratic party was like whatever they could have that bs half measure we're gonna pair it with uh, you know within the the reconciliation budget uh we're gonna put you know bernie wanted to do five billion five trillion because bernie's the man um they basically whittled it down to 3.5 which would still be historic massive freaking like life-changing for a bunch of people legislation if it were to go through but of course, here comes Joe Manchin complaining and doing as he does, and it's too much, and it's this, and he's hemming, and he's hawing, and he's penny pinching, and he's this. And then what happens, Nando, after Joe Manchin tries to stall this thing? There's a counterattack. There's a progressive <laughs> counterattack. Ryan Grimm at The Intercept publishes an investigative report showing leaked, leaked documents that showed that Joe Manchin's daughter who was the CEO of a pharmaceutical company named Mylan, was working with the CEO of Pfizer, a competing pharmaceutical uh, company, to keep the price of EpiPens artificially high. So that's called collusion. It's illegal. Like under the system, like say I sell shoes, was and you sell shoes, and we're the only two shoemakers in the thing, you know, we're, we're not allowed to be like, yo, Waz, why don't we just keep the price of these shoes up at They have know, no other choice. They have yeah. to buy it from one of the two they of us. They have to buy it from Let's us. So, mm -hmm. exactly. We'll say, like, listen, I won't raise it below 100 if you don't want to raise it below, if you won't put it below 100. And that way we both kind of can protect, you know. And you're not, that's illegal. That is illegal. You're not supposed to do that. And of course, it's doubly gross because EpiPens are not like shoes. I guess everyone needs shoes too, but they're not like fancy sneakers. Uh, there's something that you need to survive if you have serious allergies. You know, it's like when you get an allergic reaction and you're, you know, like you have know, an allergy you know, attack. Like when you say survive, we're not talking about like, oh, to get, but like you can die without these. Yeah. Things. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, that, yeah we're yeah. talking about a matter of life or death that these people 
they're playing with people's lives with this price fix and stuff. It's the height of, you know, avaricious capitalism, just unhinged greed and just disgusting, depraved nature. And so, you know, <laughs> Joe Manchin's daughter is at the center of this. His freaking yeah. kid, who, by the way, I'm pretty sure is the same kid who they lied about having graduated from West Virginia University. They faked the freaking <laughs> graduation transcript. Like, you, you can't yeah. make this stuff up. And this is the dude holding up this life-changing legislation. Yeah. And I think it's worth kind of stepping back and understanding how this is working because it's kind of a game of chicken going on now within the Democratic Party. The Republicans are not involved. Everyone assumes that the Republicans are going to, not, not a single one's going to vote for, for, for the bill. So there's two bills. There's the what's, what's called the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, which is basically money to rebuild roads and bridges, right? Kind of what we think of traditionally as infrastructure, and I think it's like a $1.1 trillion bill. Bipartisan, they got like 20 Republican senators to jump on it. Um, and it's something that both, that everyone basically wants. I mean, it's a shitty bill, but it's basically something that everyone wants because everyone, including business interests, want there to be good roads and bridges in this country so they can ship their goods up and down. Um, they There's also a lot of money to be made um, in a lot of these contracts to rebuild the roads and bridges. Um, so business wants this bill, which is why some Republicans joined. And so that one is going through. But the deal that was made with certain progressive Democrats like Bernie and the squad and all them is like, this bill, this shitty bill that you don't like, if you support it, we'll do this other bill called the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package, which will tie together and we'll pass that one in the Senate using something called reconciliation, which is um, a, uh, you know, like a thing where you could only, you'd only need 50 votes. You, you can bypass the filibuster. Proof. Yep. Yeah. So the progressives now have leverage because they can kill the other bill. They can kill the infrastructure bill if they want to. Um, they probably have enough votes to kill it if they don't get the $3.5 trillion uh, reconciliation package, which like you said, you know, is not like enough, but it would also be historic. Like it would, it would really transform a lot of the day-to-day -day lives of millions of Americans. Like I just want to read from a piece by David Dayen uh, in the American Prospect that kind of outlines a lot of the stuff that's in it. Um, it basically addresses poverty and climate change, but the poverty aspects are 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 really kind of pretty stunning given you know the context of American politics in which nothing is ever done to alleviate poverty. Uh, but it says it tries to address this at every stage of the life cycle. It gives subsidies to make childcare affordable and establishes universal pre-kindergarten, which if you think about it, is a is is huge. You know, like a lot of parents struggle, uh, a lot of new parents struggle like with daycare, they have jobs. Like what do they do with these little kids? You know, if you have universal pre-K that's free, you can send them to pre-kindergarten. Um, at the, at, on the on the taxpayer's expense. It seeks to build, build 2 million uh, new housing units and to lower housing costs through a wide range of programs from zoning to reform to community land trusts. It makes community colleges tuition free, thereby creating a public option to cost prohibitive higher education. So it seeks to address the, the cost of the rising cost of college. It subsidizes insurance premiums for Obamacare recipients on the exchanges and converts unpaid family and medical leave to paid 
family and medical leave. So like if you know if you have to take a medical leave, like a pregnancy or whatever, now you get paid instead of unpaid. Um, and uh, for seniors, it cuts cut costs by expanding Medicare to to encompass dental, vision, and hearing, and it negotiates prices on prescription drugs to bring the, down those costs. And it subsidizes home and community based services to drastically reduce the cost of living in place at the end of life. So, really, would be the most progressive piece of legislation in America since uh, Lyndon Johnson's Great Society reform, since basically yep. Medicare and Medicaid was created in the 1960s. Think about that, in the 1960s. Uh, nothing Obama did was like this. Nothing Carter did was like this. Nothing Clinton did was like this. Um, this would be genuinely uh, a, a pretty remarkable thing. So, But they need all 50 Democrats to vote for it. They need Manchin and Cinema. And lo and behold, as soon as the business uh, lobbyists got involved, Manchin writes an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal saying, I'm not going to support this. And uh, Axios has a, has a piece um, that says that privately, Manchin is saying he won't even support anything uh, above a trillion dollars. So a third of the size, less than a third of the size of the bill. So it's really going to come down to who's got more nerve. Like, is Manchin willing to basically destroy his party's entire agenda or will the progressives destroy the infrastructure bill that everyone wants if they don't get the goodies in the 3.5 trillion dollar bill and it's this 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 has to go down um at some point before the end of september yeah so i mean for me what, about this is like what 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 is biden and them going to do and the rest of the Dems who claim to really want this thing to pass, like, what is their recourse against Joe Manchin? It feels like they have to call his bluff and watch him, you know, not vote for this thing and go after his ass for it. And it's crazy because, man, uh, I follow, Jesus, I forget the Reverend's last name, the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, Barber, Reverend Barber. Barber, Reverend Barber. I follow him on Twitter and he put out an FAQ basically about the state of West Virginia. And he was like, um, basically 40% of those people are either impoverished or very low wage workers. 40% of that state. And yeah. Joe Biden, excuse me, Joe Manchin is sitting around screwing around with their lives. And it's kind of fucking disgusting to see and you know what's what's important here too when these motherfuckers pretend to be penny pinchers and joe manchin goes with the yo um my grandkids uh you know i don't want my grandkids to have to pay for this shit or any of that you know i talked about this on wasnia yesterday for tyt and i was like yo you know so crazy man about the afghanistan war all these penny pinching, mean test, means testing the COVID relief package, motherfuckers. Why did not audit in Blackwater and uh, yeah. Raytheon and oh, and be like, yo, we pay for this. What do we get? We pay for this. 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 Where's the penny pinching when it comes to that? Where is the straight up going through everything with a fine tooth comb about what things should cost? Or where's the penny pinching when we put two wars on a fucking credit card? at a cost yeah. of about four and a half trillion dollars. Where is it? The, it only comes when it when when the lives of normal everyday Americans are on the line, right? Like that's when they want to step up and be these fucking mathematician accountants. It's 
It's disgusting and it's nakedly obvious what the problem is. These motherfuckers are corrupted. There's no yeah. there's no two ways about it. It's not just individually they are. The system is rife with corruption, right? Like where a guy who's, whose fucking daughter is on the <laughs> board of a farm, like is the CEO, the CEO. of a pharmaceutical yeah. company and this yeah. dude gets to make decisions on major governmental legislation as if yeah. there isn't some obvious conflict of interest here. It's it's crazy how we operate yeah. here in this country. It's going to be interesting to see because I, what I think is going to happen is that they have to come to some sort of deal. And the question is then how much will they cut from the $3.5 trillion? Like, will they do like some cosmetic cuts to just give Manchin like the ability to say like, look what I got. I got this, this and that. But it's really like a $3.2 trillion bill or whatever, you know, which it sucks. They have to cut, you know, anything from it. But um, or will it be like, will Manchin sort of be like, oh, I, I, I'll do it for one point five trillion. And then the progressives are like, are you going to take that? And then the question is, like, is that a, is that a, is that good enough or is it better to just sink the whole thing, you know, and really put pressure that way? I mean, it's going to be a tough call. Like, where is the line? Like, where do you draw the line? Um, you know, obviously they should they should say that they won't accept anything below the 3.5 trillion dollars but there's there's going to be some sort of negotiation what's going to net out it's going to be like where where is that line like where is the line between what mansion can accept and what the progressives can accept because like i said the 3.5 trillion thing would be truly historic there's a ton of like good shit in there like there's even stuff that protect that strengthens the power of labor unions like it's it's like in the context of american politics it's like a shockingly good bill uh, I'm not saying it's uh, enough to alleviate the poverty that exists in America. It's not enough to stem the tide of climate change, but it does more than anything we've seen in 50 years to do those things. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's going to be a nervy few weeks uh, as they figure it out. Yeah, so, you know, nothing new here at the Woke Bros. Joe Manchin is doing his best to give us heartburn and agita. Uh, but, you know, we've come to expect that from the senator from West Virginia. Uh, we move on to UI benefits expiring uh, this Sunday. Again, we mentioned at the top of the show that the Dems basically shrugged their shoulders at this fact. Uh, in New York City alone, I read in the New York Times that 800,000 people are going to be kicked off of this thing um, and trying to figure out how to pay rent, how to buy groceries, how to pay for babysitters, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it's just horrible. And, you know, Nando actually passed along an article <laughs> to us that mentioned that uh, UI benefits expired on Sunday, nothing on Meet the Press. Nothing from countless major media outlets. Like they treat this shit like the type of things that have like ridiculously large effects on the lives of people get treated like as if it's nothing, right? Like as if it's just, it doesn't even fucking matter, these people. Um, but you know, let, <laughs> let let something that had happened, you know, in Afghanistan where the defense contractors don't get to do their welfare situation anymore. And it's <laughs> countless hours of people crying about the airlift not being cute enough. It's it's crazy. And, you know, I mentioned this yesterday, of course, again, um, it's almost as if it's a conspiracy between 
the establishment politicians, the 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 corporate slash capital entities, and the mainstream corporate media entities. It's almost as if they're working in concert with one another in order to push the agendas that matter to a very select few people. You know, um, I read somewhere that Andrea Kramer has stocks in defense companies. Like <laughs> this shit is just so incestuous and disgusting. And like when you watch them and how it works, like it's not tinfoil hat stuff. This shit is conspiratorial. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, listen, it's not, people, people have a hard time accepting this, but I find it so strange. Like how, why is it so hard to accept the reality that people in the media know where their bread is buttered? You know, like you have to ask where, where the money comes from and to whom do you depend to get the money in order to decide what you, so for example, like on this show, who do we depend on? We depend on the good listeners of Woke Bros, you know, who, uh, who, who support us uh, by, you know, uh, subscribing to Patreon. Therefore, we're going to advocate for those in, for those the interests of them. You know, like if we if we don't, they're going to stop supporting us. If we right. started taking corporate um, cash in the form of advertising, you know, we'd we'd think twice before we started, you know, criticizing them uh, for whatever reason. You know. Um, it's not it's not conspiratorial. It's completely rational. And again, you can. It's hard to treat that as an individual uh, phenomenon. And there's always individuals within the media that kind of buck the trends or whatever. They often don't last very long, but you know, for a while they're allowed to, you know. And some of them slip through the cracks. It's not like a you know totally totalitarian thing. But on the whole, over time, if the media the media depends on their money from corporate giants then they're not going to do anything that challenges them too dramatically you know that's just not that's just the reality of of the situation like over time on the whole if if so th there was like this hilarious piece in in politico um that was basically doing a tour of a lockheed martin um factory and they were comparing it to willy wonka's fucking chocolate shop you know uh the chocolate factory and they're like look at how cool this is and like of course they didn't disclose that lockheed martin is like a giant fucking advertiser uh of politico you know mm -hmm. i mean it's it's there's millions of individual examples like that but even on a on a broader kind of more comprehensive view like you're not going to have like an anti-capitalist host the you know msnbc Eight o'clock uh, show, no. Eight o'clock show. It's just not no, gonna happen. Like it no. can't happen. It can. It cannot it can't happen. happen. <laughs> it can't happen. Like, it's just, like, I don't know how to explain the, it. The it cannot happen. Exists because of the fact that they sell advertisements um, to huge corporations. Like that's. Yeah. Like that's like it's not a news company. It's an advertised sales company. Right, like it was once you understand the corporate news media for what it actually is, you begin to understand the incentives and you can understand why it is we see the dreck that we see on CNN. Like, why it is we have a fucking Vanderbilt on CNN commenting yeah. on the issues that afflict working class people when his fucking people have been oligarchs in this country for literally centuries. That family's wealth goes back centuries, <laughs> okay? And this dude is a descendant of those folks and he's on CNN and I'm talking about Anderson Cooper, by the way. 
And he's on CNN talking about the issues that are allegedly afflicting normal, everyday people. It's absurd, right? Yeah. Van Jones is on CNN. This motherfucker got $100 million from Jeff Bezos. $100 million. <laughs> Like, you just need to think about to- it. The good a good way to think about it for people is like think about sports, right? If you're applying for the job uh, of like the Boston Globe uh, beat writer for the Red Sox, um, you know that job depends uh, in large part your success within it on the Red Sox basically giving you access to things, you know, like helping you talk to players, giving you press credentials for the locker room and giving you scoops like from management when they have it and the thing, you know, if you are a lifelong Yankee fan and you fucking uh, hate the Red Sox your whole life and you have pictures, uh, uh, you know, all over your social media of like, you know, uh, uh, you know, hey, baby, Paul O'Neill, number one, whatever, uh, then they're not going to hire you. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. You know, it's, it's the same thing. It's just it's just not going to happen for a million reasons. There's a structural, there's a structural incentive for that job over time on the whole to go to people who are sympathetic to the Red Sox. Under, like it's not, it's not conspiratorial. They don't like the owner of the Red Sox doesn't have to get together with the owner of the Boston Globe and work this shit out. Like there is just a structural incentive, which means that over time on the whole, that's that's what's going to happen. So. A similar thing kind of happens in the corporate media where that's why they support all the wars. That's why they support, you know, um, all the issues that are important to large corporations. That's why they don't give a shit about working people uh, because they don't depend on working people at all. They don't depend on they don't depend on them. They don't even depend on ratings anymore. Um, they just don't. They, that's not what they depend on. They depend on cable distribution. So which are all owned by like giant behemoths mm-hmm. um, and they and they depend on uh, advertising dollars. That's it. That's it. That's the ball game. Um, and so, yeah, man, I think it's it's really fucked up with Democrats in the House and Senate ascendant and a Democratic president. Um, and again, you know, this war in Afghanistan coming to an end the other day and understanding that we spent two trillion dollars on that thing and didn't even blink a fucking eye and nobody that's on that's a low estimate by the way that's a low estimate exactly exactly and nobody is batting an eye about the people who got paid who were the beneficiaries of this shit financially nobody is even thinking like didn't like nobody's talking about Like you hear about the waste and all of that stuff and the corruption that went on in Afghanistan, but like nobody in the corporate media is like, wait a second, man, this was like like American taxpaying dollars like that went into this shit. Like who's being held accountable for this crap, for the fraud that was perpetrated on us? Nobody. Um, But yeah, Yeah. man, let 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 some some people make eleven hundred dollars a week. God for fucking bid. Right. Yeah. Uh, God forbid they make eleven hundred dollars a week and don't go slave away for an Uber. Um, and people are up in arms. It's disgusting. The crazy thing also is that this thing happened on Labor Day. That <laughs> they they, to, they couldn't even like they couldn't even like do a symbolic you know thing to just like on Labor Day just to like stick it even more. 
Um, and, and by it's the way, we gotta well. mention we gotta mention that Joe was like basically states that really needed could go look under the seat cushions. Like there's some little bit of extra federal bread in other places. It's absurd. But yeah, like sorry, I you're gonna do that. No, no, no. It's it's it's. But I, what I'm saying is that like it's happening uh, at a time when obviously you know aside from the symbolic thing about happening on Labor Day, but it's happening at a moment when COVID is like if you look at the numbers and the hospitalizations and whatever like it's just, it's just as bad if not worse as it was last year when they passed all this shit you know um like it's not like the covid has the delta variant and all that stuff like has resurged and there's there's you know all the numbers that we were scared of last year are happening again this year um and it's also happening in the midst of a weak jobs report like there was a you know the whole thing is that uh these the, the the ui benefits help people mm -hmm. who are out of work and so when they were saying like oh look the jobs are coming back the jobs are coming back we don't need this anymore but the, the job report that came out this month was incredibly below expectations mostly because covid is you know back and stronger than ever um and actually matt brunig cal uh, counted the numbers uh crunched the numbers and he said and he found that we're still five million five point three million jobs fewer than there were in February 2020 before COVID hit. There's still a gap of 5.3 million uh, jobs. Yeah. That means that there's 5.3 million people who are like left fewer people who are employed than they were before COVID hit. Um, and you're cutting the expanded benefits, expanded benefits that were that were given out to the people who are got kicked off. It, it amounts to something like 35 million people. And it's just it's. It's crazy. It's just it's, yeah. It's it's abhorrent, and you know, and again, they've done the, they've done the math on the studies, like because you know there were certain states who decided they didn't want to take free federal money, and they wanted to be cruel and cut off their people from the extra three hundred bucks that the federal government was offering in UI benefits, and their job numbers were not affected at all by it. Like people didn't go back to work after they did that. So their theory of the case was fucking wrong. And yet they still did it anyway, because why not? Why not be cruel to people? Anyway, um, yeah, I, you know, we <laughs> pretty depressing shit, uh, obviously. But we move on, man, to uh, just share a couple of nice words for the brother Bernard Sanders on his birthday, man. Brooklyn's own. The great Bernie Sanders. Um, I just got to say, uh, I think what's most important about Bernie and what he's going to be remembered for is making a lot of these topics like the fight for 15, like Medicare for all, like universal pre-K, like universal, universally free public college tuition, like all of the shit that he's made front and center about his political life within the last two presidential campaigns, man, um, that he's made those topics front and center within the dialogue and the discourse. I mean, it's immeasurable uh, how important that is, right? Like we just, like the fifth, the fight for 15, like straight up, they've just capitulated at this yeah. point. It just is what it is now, yeah. right? Um, and and that was Bernie. Remember, Hillary yeah. was like, "Well, why can't we just do nine or something? eleven or twelve? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like that's from from Bernie's hard work of keeping the main fight for fifteen. Thing. Sounds like me trying to lose weight. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bernie keeping the main thing, the main thing. And like, you know, just the fact that he's the only person who's willing to say this shit out loud on a microphone and address the right people and the right things. Like, yo, the situation we got where we're just churning out billionaires by the boatload. And meanwhile, everybody else is becoming extremely more poor. Their quality of life is decreasing at record rates. Like, you know, wages are stagnant. Cost of living is going up. Like all of these things that he's brought to the forefront um, within the discourse is just, you know, it's incalculable, man. Um, and and that's supposed to be what the job of government is. It's supposed to be making people's lives easier and better. Um, and the fact that he's made his life's work, making sure that these issues remain top of mind and front of mind uh, for at least a fraction of the people that are uh, part of the power circle, I think is just is just incredible. And um, we owe a debt of gratitude to the guy. Yeah, I mean, I I just I find Bernie to be just uh, someone I admire so deeply because I mean, first of all, he's a man of great personal integrity. You know, like he he is a thoroughly honest man. He is, um, you know, always on the right side of history. He has like an incredibly strong moral compass that is resistant to the fads of the times and the pressures and the, and you know. Like this is a man who was arrested in college, uh, you know, at a at an anti segregation um, kind of sit in um, in Chicago in the 1960s, uh, and he's maintained that kind of commitment throughout his whole life. And on a macro level, what he did, his effect was to catalyze the radicalization of millions of Americans and probably millions of other people around the world, but specifically here in America, basically an entire generation of young people um, have been largely radicalized thanks to the uh, inspiring nature of his message and his and his campaign, the unwavering commitment that he has for um, justice, for everyday working people, his um, consistent hatred of the worst people in the planet who are responsible for all our problems. Um, and and yeah, like when we if we look back on a better world, 100 years from now, when we're old and dying was, um, I think, uh, I think a, a good chunk of that will go to Bernie's um, inspiration for yeah, like b basically anyone under 40 right now uh, is is questioning some of the most basic foundations uh, of the system in, to a degree that hasn't happened in America probably since the 1960s. Um, and so and that's the only way things change is if people kind of wake up, turn, become radicals and 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 fight to change the system. And then like on a more micro level. Um, we talked about this $3.5 trillion bill. This does not happen without Bernie. Like Bernie is the Senate budget chairman. He is designing this. He is leading this charge within the Senate. He is managing the careful negotiations that, that are very difficult and complex. Um, it's one of the reasons why you're not seeing him speak out too much about like the Afghanistan thing. He's not speaking too much about, you know, the unemployment insurance. I'm sure he wants to. But I think he's got his eye on the ball and he sees this $3.5 trillion thing and he's got the discipline, the political discipline to know that the benefits of him speaking out against something like Afghanistan or, uh, uh, or you know, in support of Biden's withdrawal of Af Afghanistan, which might alienate certain senators, might make it easier for the media to focus on him and things like that. Like he'd rather be in the shadows right now, shepherding this very complicated 
a bit of legislative negotiations um, across the finish line, then grandstanding publicly about these issues that I'm sure he believes in deeply. Um, and it re must require a huge amount of um, restraint and political discipline from him to not just, you know, go out there and and yap about it and become the center of attention. Like he now that he is the chairman of the Senate Budgetary Committee, which is a very powerful post, um, especially in these matters of you know, reconciliation packages, you know, which is where it's where these bills kind of originate. Um, that's it's very clear that that's what he's focused on. And that's what he um, thinks can happen to help the vast, the, the most, the greatest number of people um, in the shortest amount of time. Um, and that kind of political savvy and political discipline is something that I think is underrated about Bernie. Like, I think people talk to him, talk about him as if he were like a sort of dreamer naive, innocent guy, but he's actually kind of like a pretty savvy politician who knows how to get shit done. Um, this is a man who won uh, the mayoralty of Burlington in 1981 at the height of Reaganism in America, calling himself a socialist in a state that, contrary to popular belief, was heavily Republican at the time. So, um, yeah, he's just savvier than people give him credit for. And uh and again, just a, a a discipline and moral commitment that I find very inspiring. We love you, Bernie. Um, just another quick shout out to uh, former Senator Harry Reid, who, by the way, mm. if he was still leading the Senate, he wouldn't tolerate this Joe Manchin shit. No. <laughs> he wouldn't abide by Put the by squeeze this. on him. He would yeah. put the squeeze on this fool so fat. Like Chuck Schumer. That is guy like, is a Mormon mafia. That guy's Mormon <laughs> mafia. You don't fuck around. He would not fucking play around with Joe Manchin. But um, yeah, he put out a statement uh, today, I think it was, where he's like, yo, get rid of the filibuster. Stop letting Republicans play around with y'all. Yeah. This shit is, we let them do this shit for far too long. It's time to get back to about the business of governing and making people's lives um, better in the process. So yeah, man, shouts to uh, Harry Reid. Although, you know, I know a lot of the the progressive bros and lefty bros hate hate Harry Reid. Um, the guy was a fucking stone killer. So I got respect for him. Uh, that's our yeah. show. Yeah, go ahead, Nando. No, no, no. It's 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 right. I mean, he's he's not like he's not like politically aligned with us, but you can respect a certain amount of of political ruthlessness in a certain degree. 100%. To a certain degree, like a lot of the Dems now are just kind of like losers, and you're just that's like you're, you're a fucking loser. Cucks. You're fucking cucks. That's our show for today. Thank you guys, as always, um, for tuning in. Make sure you become a Patreon, man. Help us support the show, give you all this great content that we do. Make sure you're listening to Cinephobe, uh, The Friday Mailbag, Pack Your Knives, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Shouts to my man, producer Sean, on the ones and threes, man. Always keeping the trains running on time, doing a fantastic job around here. Uh, and, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. We're out of here. Peace. Later.